0: All right, everybody, welcome to the June 13th edition of Cascadian Views. Dan and I are, are here from the Cascadian Autonomous Zone in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll talk about that later. That's actually a fairly eventful local story that has Trump threatening to invade <laughs> Washington. Uh, but I, I think we're going to start on the primary elections that we had this week. Uh, things are still going on. We now have settled candidates in uh, a lot of these states and. Some of them are, you know, even starting to pay dividends. There's a poll today that has Ernst uh, down by three to our, our new Democratic nominee.
1: Right. And that was, uh, what was it? Uh, Miss Greenfield, I believe. Greenfield. Teresa Greenfield. That's it. That's right. She was the, uh, I think she was the preferred candidate of the DSCC. She was. So, yeah. She this faced was...
0: a, a uh, progressive challenge in the primary.
1: Right. Right. Okay. Well, I mean, that's... There's a lot to say for that. I mean, mainly that that was one of those states that I definitely considered as a reach for us on the Senate map. And the idea of it being in play is, that's wild. And it's kind of fantastic, you know, beyond, I think, what I think we really could have hoped for going into this election cycle. because. Iowa is a state that has been trending increasingly red. I think it was actually not – it wasn't as close as Texas in 2016. So I mean, if you want to see the direction that the country is going, I think that's a pretty stark one.
0: And to be honest, uh, Ernst is a better candidate for Republicans than uh, yeah. Cruz was by like a mile.
1: Absolutely.
0: So the fact that she's going down fairly convincingly is uh, – that's pretty telling. And just, you know, every dollar that they have to spend in Iowa is a dollar that they can't spend somewhere else. And for that matter, every dollar that they have to spend in Kentucky and in Texas, which are both looking like they're going to be surprisingly close, right. uh, our, our likely candidate, not, I wouldn't say our overwhelming favorite. There's been a lot of energy in that race uh, for one of our challengers recently, but our overwhelmingly li- our, our likely candidate in Kentucky is uh, polling better than Mitch McConnell uh amy mcgrath is up uh by like two points that's not from the primaries that were settled we still have to wait a bit to find out that one
1: right i think that's not until i think the 23rd i want to say is when that primary is i think we have still have at least one week to go mm-hmm. so yeah yeah georgia i mean that
0: is looking real too we may take two senate seats in georgia this year
1: yeah yeah it's definitely a ripe year and if i was looking that bad for republicans i think they're in a lot of trouble i mean that's definitely terrible news for you know susan collins who i think might have been assumed to have been on the outside edge of what republican what democrats could reasonably take
0: it makes me really feel like susan collins is gone um yeah and don't look now but in the poll average biden's up in texas not very much for like two points 1.8 or something like that but yeah In the average of polls, he's up. I think the map is expanding in like unprecedented ways. Something we haven't really seen since, like, 96.
1: Yeah. It's really unusual, because 1996 was a year where you had a major third-party candidate. Uh, You had a, I would say, on the weaker end of things, Republican challenger and, of course, a popular Democratic incumbent. So... Not to jinx anything, but this is really, really, really something.
0: And uh, that year, the Republicans running for the Senate had to openly run away from their incredibly unpopular nominee. Uh, Republicans this year are, you know, bolting themselves too. They're giant anchor. Right. They, they can't get away from them. They're doubling and tripling down on it. I The Senate is no longer looking like a reach to me. Maybe I'm crazy, but... For the love of God, might i might be able to save Doug Jones.
1: <laughs> <Did> I... <laughs> now, now you're now you're you're going to you're going to throw everything away. But...
0: <laughs> uh, are you looking at how the Confederacy is polling in Mississippi? Don't get me wrong; they're That's... still Republicans, but the, right. the George Floyd thing has really driven a wedge over a lot of race issues between a lot of suburban whites and the GOP huh. uh, to an incredible extent i I mean we'll touch on this as like a cultural issue here because nascar just banned the confederate flag from their events and they had drivers lining up to endorse it dale earnhardt jr bubba wallace these people like went to bat for this policy hard it's a culture shift that i have not seen like in anything like this I think Chris in the Facebook group a while ago posted the the support favor Black Lives Matter graph. It is, it it just completely divides from reality right now. It's up to like seventy percent, sixty eight percent, somewhere up there, support for this, the highest it's ever been, and it happened within days. Something yeah. crystallized around the George Floyd protest that broke through, in a way that literally nothing in our our modern political sphere has ever done.
1: No, I mean, it's the exact opposite of how these sorts of things have gone in the past. I mean, I think we had, we did have a big discussion about this in the group about how typically these sorts of protests and things like that, the way it plays in middle America is. You know, terror, you know, they see it as a threat. And I think that's probably what helped Trump get, re- get elected in 2016 was the reaction to a lot of the protests and unrest that happened that year. I think that definitely softened up Clinton's support among white voters. And yeah, here we are. Uh, I mean, I don't really know what's different this time, whether it's negative partisanship and Trump associating himself with, uh, I guess, the counter-protest movement. That's kind of the pet theory I'm have going right now, is that Trump has kind of tainted this just by putting his name on it. But you also you, know, you have to give a lot of credit to the police who uh, jumped in and bashed in people's heads when they were peacefully protesting and did it on camera a whole bunch.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that. I, I think you're right that the partisanship and Trump just strapping himself to the anti-protest movement is, is part of it. But also the... The way the police responded, the complete uh, disregard for their actions being filmed, literally that one thread that I had from a former Republican congressional ca- uh, candidate, Greg Doucette, uh, compiled 500 cases, over 500 cases of police physically abusing people on film from these protests. And not just like little ones. I mean, gore warnings, people with their heads split open, right. their their skulls cracked open, and you can see like brain matter and shit. Uh, just the the old man bleeding from his ear now has brain damage and stuff i mean this wasn't like you know little could be a little bit rough sort of thing this was actual assault on people and they did it with complete disregard and people saw that it's a lot easy to or a lot easier to dismiss police brutality when it's happening to you know people who live in a city you've never been to in a part of town that you never go to people not like you Uh, Right. When it's video evidence in front of your eyes of this happening everywhere, this wasn't a bad cop. This was every police department across America, more or less. Uh, That evidence in front of your eyes is irrefutable.
1: Yeah, completely irrefutable. Yeah, and they've compounded it every step of the way. You know, when you did have instance like you know cops being held accountable for. I think you pointed out the, the one protester the old the old man who was thrown to the ground and his head split open and there's discipline suddenly you have the rest of the department lining up in support of the officers that did it and it also kind of that definitely leads to a very visceral reaction I would say
0: yeah just the narrative that the police are out of control in this country has been what's stuck uh, mm-hmm. and I, I think you can see at least republican politicians that you know live in reality understand that a lot of them are coming down on police reform i mean we've got a bill moving through the senate right now that doesn't go as far as i would like but does a whole hell of a lot more than i thought republicans were going to do six months ago if you would ask me this question
1: sure yeah
0: Uh, it's being led by tim scott he's a a black republican a senator from south carolina uh You know, does a lot of things like ban police chokeholds, starts cutting down on the the military to police equipment pipeline, stuff like that, like real, not enough change, but real change, like changes that will actually do things. Uh, So when you start seeing that out of like the institutional Republican Party, you got to wonder like where their voters are because their voters have to be behind it, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I wonder, you know, how far they'd be willing to get ahead of them. But it, it, they certainly haven't been inclined to in the past. If anything, I think they've been willing to drag behind them a little bit in a lot of those, in some of these mm-hmm. cases, and you know, try and keep them from moving too far. So
0: I think it's how persistent it's been. Like they they view a lot of these things as something they could wait out. Like the fear mm-hmm. will die down, and people will largely forget about it three weeks of protest we're into our third week this is our third weekend of this stuff um and it it shows no signs of dying down if anything portland's march has gotten bigger every single night
1: yeah for sure for sure
0: (laughs) and they're they're starting to take change into their hands statues are being pulled down and now places are preemptively pulling them down kentucky uh pulled down the statue of jefferson davis out of their uh Their capital, I don't know why they had it up. Fun fact, Kentucky never seceded from the Union. (laughs) (laughs) They were not part of the Confederacy, so I don't know why. It was controversial at the time. (laughs) That also means, by the way, that the Emancipation Proclamation never applied to Kentucky. Uh, Lincoln, Lincoln only freed the slaves in areas under active rebellion. There were two slave states, Missouri and Kentucky, that stayed in the Union, and slavery stayed on there longer.
1: Well, right. I mean, de facto, it was about yeah. the same. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. guess. Yeah, uh, the, to... the war. Everybody was free regardless. But yeah. <laughs> right. It. Yeah. It took the Thirteenth Amendment. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I'm trying uh, to think.
0: And we hmm. mentioned the uh, the. Actually, we didn't mention. Did we mention that on air? Were we recording when I was talking about Doug Jones?
1: No, I don't think we've gotten to that yet. Okay. I think that was part of our pre-banter. Yeah. So, yeah, let's get to it.
0: Even even like in Mississippi, support for removing Confederate monuments is running a majority support. Like, and, and I don't mean above people who disapprove. I mean above 50%. Like, wow. I, If the Republicans really want to make this a, a culture war election, I will gladly sign off. That is one of the, like, absolute few ways I could even ever conceive of us saving Doug Jones this year. And guess what? It looks like it might happen. If <laughs> this is honestly becoming a culture war election, I don't know what we all thought in 2017, but as soon as push, push came to shove, guess what? We had won the culture war. <laughs> yeah. There's not even a debate at this point. We won. We didn't realize it at the time. But shit, it's because people had to pick a side; they
1: picked ours. You, you mentioned culture war, and I think you know one of the big signs of that, you, uh, and the Confederacy, uh, was that bill that has gone through. I think it's come out of the Senate Armed Services Committee to uh, rename all the bases that you know, U.S. military bases that we have that are named after Confederate generals and you know other you know various famous traitors. You know, just get their names off of it, and that's been something i you know feel like wasn't going to happen just because you know it's 20 it was it's the 21st century and it just didn't seem like it was going to get any headway at all i mean i've you know ranted about it on facebook in the past and gotten pushback from people i would ordinarily consider to be pretty liberal so it's wild that that's taking off now too it ended up getting a majority vote a bipartisan vote out of a republican controlled committee so Mm -hmm. it could very well pass the Senate.
0: Removing the Confederate flag off the Mississippi flag passed through their state house on a wide bipartisan vote with the support of the Republican Speaker of the House. If national <laughs> Republicans uh, aren't willing to listen to their state parties on this, I am glad to let the Republicans make this front and center exactly that. It sure. seems like some in Washington, like you said, uh, the renaming the Confederate bases was a wide bipartisan uh, deal in there. But Trump is like putting his foot down on this. Will not fucking happen. I yeah. don't know why. Uh, we can talk about the history of this a little bit. Those those bases were named in like the early nineteen hundreds. It was part of the Lost Cause movement. Uh, this right. Did not happen during Reconstruction. We did not have these sorts of like Confederate deification that happened after the the Civil War. Didn't happen until Jim Crow and segregation, uh, the the New South, uh, the foundation of the KKK. All of this came out of Sarah, and it was an actively racist policy. It was put in place to remind black people who's in charge. Right. That is the entire point. These are not history uh, culture statues. First of all. You guys lost. I'm sorry. (laughs) They're participation trophies for losers. They're a bunch of people who, you know, were able, were willing to take up arms, commit treason against their country, and kill their fellow countrymen in defense of slavery. I don't know who the fuck you think you're defending. Not you, obviously. (laughs) People who who want the statues.
1: It's about heritage. It's about heritage.
0: (laughs) Jesus. Yeah, it's about none of these things. And it's not a culture you should be celebrating. Okay? Like, there are plenty of things that are great about Italian culture. Italians generally don't point to, you know, genocides carried out by Christopher Columbus. They point to, like, pasta. (laughs) There are wonderful things of the South that aren't about slavery and treason. Start using those.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's a whole lot of history to choose from. And it's kind of crazy that it's taken to this point and i don't know what what is so unique about this moment that that's suddenly moving but it is and i'm glad for it
0: uh i just i really think with it a viscerally racist president who we can all agree with that people have an instinctual aversion and you can't pretend that racism, you know, is something that happens every so often and in hushed tones and away from polite society. It's in the White House. Right. Like it's, it is front and center in the American consciousness in a way that it has not been before.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: It, it was a moment that people could not ignore. It's easy for white people to ignore racism. I'm guilty of it. I'm sure you're guilty of it. We don't think sure. like to be. We, we work to not be. But it is just the path of least resistance in a lot of cases, and it ends up happening. You, that path is not available now. You can't say there is not racism in America when it's flowing out of the White House. Right. <sighs> I got worked up over that.
1: Well, it's it's exciting. It is a bold new world, we can hope.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hoping for some real change.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and well, I guess we'll we'll get to our local stories here. And one thing that's not changing is Multnomah County, home to Portland, Oregon's largest county, is not reopening. We didn't know that until about eight hours before we were supposed to reopen. Right. Uh, we did get the feeling something was up with a couple of days to go because the governor had not approved it yet. Uh, and then the night before we were supposed to reopen, she announced that she would not be approving it. Uh, In fact, she's putting a hold on all counties, further reopening across the state. Uh, So most counties in the state are already in phase one. Uh, They're not going to be allowed to go into phase two. Multnomah is not going to be allowed to progress to phase one at all. We're still going to stay in lockdown. comes as Oregon just hit our largest daily totals for coronavirus infection. Uh, We added 178 people to the infected list the other day. Uh, the state's been spiking pretty much up and down i five. It's not limited to just Portland or anything like that. And that fits the pattern of a lot of states., uh, there were eight states that hit their their highest daily uh, new infection totals this week. Uh, wow. Texas is among them, Florida is among them, actually nine now that Oregon hit ours. Uh, that eight number came before Oregon did. Uh, so yeah, nine states hit their their highest daily totals of coronavirus this week. It's not going away. The national numbers are improving because New York is improving, and New York was really just such an outsized piece of the total infection uh, in America because of how big their outbreak was. That that's lowering the overall numbers, but it's it's growing in basically everywhere that's not New York.
1: So. Yeah, I I almost don't know what to say. I mean, it's it's disheartening. You know, certainly. <sighs> yeah, yeah you, you see it out. Well, Not unexpected,
0: though. The lockdowns were to buy time until we could have things sure. like ready. Things aren't ready. Lockdowns no. can't last forever. So we're lifting the lockdowns and without anything fundamentally changing. It's just going back to what it was before the lockdown.
1: Right, we're, we're restoring the status quo as it was at the beginning of March. So, except we're starting from a higher baseline, and yeah, I mean it's incredibly depressing. But uh, yeah, here we are, uh, and this is what's left because nobody did the work to make sure that we were ready, that we would have the you know mechanisms in place to make it safe to open up when you know we just couldn't take it anymore, but. Arizona ordered we go. their
0: hospitals to move to their emergency plans. They ran out of ICU beds this week. Yeah. Yeah. All those things that, you know, were happening and everybody was terrified about. Still happening. Still going on. We used all the time in the lockdown to do basically nothing. Yeah. We, we don't yeah. have any sort of contact tracing. Also, there's a weird fucking political movement against contact tracing. Ugh. Wait what? Oh yeah. There are people like running around in anti contact tracing shirts, talking about how it's it's government tyranny and using it as an excuse to invade your privacy and find out everything about you and don't let them do it and don't approve oh, any laws that allow contact tracing. Oh yeah, no, it's it's the new like five G anti vaccine sort of thing. Like people uh, are, are activists about it. It's not just a conspiracy theory they share among themselves. They go out and protest about it
1: good lord uh, we, we deserve this I, I don't even man it's unbelievable
0: yeah no you're right this is, this is exactly <laughs> what American society results in and we could have told you this years ago in fact we did tell you this years yeah, ago yeah pretty much <laughs> so this is what we're going to end up with and collectively we as a society decided fuck it we're good
1: yeah we'll just uh, you know let a whole bunch of people die
0: Uh, Speaking of a whole lot of people potentially dying, Trump uh, is talking about sending the military to Seattle over the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, the CHAZ, uh, which is – somebody, by the way, gave me a great analogy to this because people were flipping their shit on the right about the CHAZ. Uh, We'll go into a bit more about it, but it's a syndical anarchist – Autonomous zone, collectively organized... I don't even know. There's a lot of, like, political affiliations I could lay on top of it. It's, it's just something they're doing as they go. It's a commune uh, set up in the Capitol Hill neighborhood. There was a very similar one set up in, in Denmark. I forget exactly where in Denmark. Uh, and it was a, you know, resist police power, resist the state thing. The state just decided to leave it alone not do anything with it. Is that a tourist attraction? <laughs> people come <laughs> by to to see the anarchist commune like they sell tourist stuff to raise money for the anarchist commune like it, it's just a thing that <laughs> exists and it. It drives the economy in local neighborhood and stuff. Uh, I I don't see why people are getting their knickers in a twist about this. I could totally see the exact same thing happening or Berkeley has a free square in the middle of the campus, not governed by right, anybody. Right. Right. Uh, I mean, it's small. It's like three feet across. But the police, the campus police, totally honor it. Like back yeah. before weed was legal, you could stop in the middle of this little circle and smoke a bowl, and the police wouldn't touch you. <laughs> it was, it was the ungoverned space. It even has a plaque about how it was, you know, dedicated to be not governed by man from the ground all the way up to space in this column between it. And it's, it's just a thing. I don't see why fox news thinks that the Capitol autonomous zone is some like a front to america full of terrorists i really uh, don't get it
1: I, I i'm not sure they do i think it's just a matter of you know they couldn't really get they, they weren't able to tag biden with uh defund the police uh so i think they're
0: running stories they wanted... about people like getting raped in there and sure like, pastors being assaulted businesses being shut down for money like no, yeah. this is apparently a huge evil place in their mind.
1: They they want to scare the shit out of old people who are watching TV and are thinking, "Gee, they're you know not so sure about Trump." You know things seem to be getting really crazy, but uh, yeah, they want to get them back on team, you know, crack down, law and order. Look at these crazy hippies doing this crazy stuff. This is coming to your neighborhood if you don't vote for Trump. I'm sure that's what it is. I'm yeah, sure I, that's I'm the positive. angle I just, of Fox News. Yeah. I don't
0: know if people are that upset about hippies. I mean, the hippies are kind of romanticized at this point. It's not the fucking '80s anymore. Like people are, hippies are always annoying at the '60s. Like
1: hippies are always annoying, but yeah, I don't think they're scary. <laughs>
0: Like after Wayne's World two, and they did like Woodstock and shit. Hippies okay. were basically okay. <sighs> yeah. I don't. I don't recognize society. I'm just
1: <laughs>
0: nothing makes sense to me anymore. I I don't know if Trump is actively trying to win.
1: Mm, no, he's still trying to win. He doesn't want to go to jail.
0: He has to realize though that he's making his re-election harder. Like, okay. Yeah, let, let, like, let's let talk about the Chaz. If you don't watch Fox News, what you've seen about the Chaz is uh, a bunch of people giving speeches inside an abandoned police precinct. Uh, you probably saw an outsourced amount of time to that one black chick who was telling everybody on uh, Shama Swant's team not to make this a Shama Swant rally, that they appreciate her support, but that it shouldn't be co-opted by politicians. The media loved that clip because it talked shit about a socialist. You probably saw a lot of that. And then you saw a, uh, a bunch of people sitting around on the street watching a movie on a projector.
1: <laughs> right. That was <laughs> the one that, thing that came that to that mind. That has
0: been like the live feed from the jazz. Right. Um, there's also a bunch of free sandwich stations. They're handing out sandwiches and water to people. If you can't pay, they're free. If you can't pay, you, you pay. Right. <laughs> that is That is pretty much the extent of what's going on in the chat. People are painting murals. People are watching movies. They're not going to work, which is fine because they weren't going to work before. It's a lockdown. I don't see why anybody cares. They decided the police don't get to come to this part of the city, and they're enforcing that.
1: And the police aren't contesting it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Everybody's happy. Nobody is mad here.
1: Yeah, basically. I mean, except you know, cranky people who uh, don't, who likes seeing somebody get stomped on if they're stepping out of line. I think that's that's really the constituency that Trump's had all along, and that's probably who he's trying to get on his side with. This is kind of what I'm thinking.
0: If you're Seattle PD, is the chest not basically exactly what you want? This is a space where the protesters can protest. They're not marching around through the city. They're, they're congregated in one area. They mm-hmm. feel some sort of ownership over it, so they're self-policing. They're not burning the place down. They're not breaking windows. They feel like this is their space, so they're protecting this space. You don't have to use tear gas. Nobody's getting their shit blown up. The protesters aren't stomping all over the city. Is this not like a
1: win-win? Basically, I mean, yeah, I think they'd probably prefer if they had, you know, actual, if they were, weren't going to have to go in over opposition if it came down to it. But, yeah, I mean, it could definitely be a lot worse if, you know, from the police perspective, I would say.
0: Yeah. I just, they're doubling down on things I don't see as that threatening. Like in 1968, uh, which is what a lot of things are, are being compared to, and it was, uh, yeah. And ran a very law and order campaign. Mm-hmm. There was actual terrorism. Right. <laughs> like, there were government bombings. <laughs> there were police stations, like, bombed to the ground. There were, you know, U.S. attorneys murdered. There were several kidnappings. Palestinians got involved a couple times. <laughs> like, right. Right. it was open season on a lot of things if you had a grudge against the U.S. government. There is not that. As far as we yeah. know, the only terrorism going on is from the Boogaloo movement who have already claimed several police officer lives.
1: Wow. Yeah, yeah, I mean that I think again I'm not sure there's much to bother most normal people, but you know, Trump's 45%, I think that's really who he's going for or maybe his 40%, I don't know.
0: I it is. yeah. was a bridge too far
1: who would have thought it would be racism you know I thought that was really what
0: also I didn't I realize it was that it superpower. wasn't open enough before like I thought it was pretty clearly open racism before but I yeah. guess actually vocalizing it is you know the line for a lot of people
1: yeah I mean that really is it I mean I think you're right people don't want to think of themselves that way so yeah I think that's exactly it.
0: All right, that's uh, that's pretty much it this week.
1: Yeah, it's kind of it's been a lot of single topics, but that's usually yeah. how we it's had gone. More like.
0: than a single topic this week, actually. True.
1: The, yeah, uh, yeah, we got a, bit uh, of a good word.
0: discussion of the primaries. Sure. Uh, coronavirus took its thing. We didn't really talk about Trump doing anything stupid. You want to talk about Trump doing something stupid?
1: Oh God, not really. <laughs> <laughs> He's he's gonna invade Seattle. I guess there's that.
0: Well, there is that, but I also think he may have had a stroke recently. Really? Have you did like you that. watch him at the uh, the West Point graduation?
1: Oh, I try not to actually see him anymore. First it's of all, too dear He
0: can't stand straight. He's slumped over on his side.
1: Uh, on his side, huh? not just as usual, leaning over from his lifts.
0: No. He is is straight up like lounging to the side, using his elbow to prop himself up, and then he can't get a cup to his lips. He tries to do it with his right hand, can't get it, can't get it, can't make it to his lips. Seriously? Yeah, and then he brings his his second hand, his left hand up to touch the bottom of the cup and then is able to lift it and pour some water into his mouth. Wow. Yeah. uh, That's unsettling. It is absolutely terrifying. Uh, You should – once we're done recording, I'll post a link to a thread of of different, like, videos from it. It is wild. Huh. Yeah. Everybody wants to talk about cognitive decline on on Biden. I I think – I honestly think this isn't, like, a political gag. This isn't being funny. I think he's had a stroke at some point recently. This isn't how he was a couple of years ago.
1: Yeah, well, I mean that's you know something very noticeable. That's not just him. You know, the fastball isn't there anymore. He's you know, not as, not as adept in coming up with racist shit to say. That's you know, major bodily functions not, going correctly. Yeah. <sighs> okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, you check out the videos when I post them. You should be concerned for our country.
1: Well, if you weren't already. <laughs> yeah,
0: you should already. Be.
1: But yes. All
0: right. Have a
1: good All right, well have a good week. Yeah.